Hello and welcome everyone to this podcast today. And I'm joined by Jess. Let's give Jess a round of applause. Hello everyone. Yeah. Jess isn't uh, actually in the... um, in the room at the moment she's via a phone um so the wonders of technology um but that's okay we will get through it so today we're going to be talking about words or sayings in the funeral industry that the general public aren't aware of um they're they're words that um uh, some of them I don't even truly understand where they've come from, but we'll we'll go with it. Um, so, uh, Jess, um, is there any words that you'd like to share? Oh, there are there are lots. Let's, let's when I first started in the industry, there were terms that I'd never heard of. Like, I think one of the ones that we use a lot is the term catafalque. <laughs> oh, that was harsh. You don't, why would you laugh at Jess like that? But anyway, yep, go on. I'll fix him up later. <laughs> We're in the business. We, but no, I better not say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love my job. So the catafalque for a better term, is the podium that the coffin sits upon if it's not being pallbared out of a chapel. Yeah, yeah. I call it the catafalque, cataflarque. I don't know why I call it (laughs) cataflarque. I think it probably sounds a little bit bit better than, what do you say, cataflarque? Catafalque. See, see, I nearly made you stumble on it. (laughs) Um, it's a hard one to spell too yeah and look from chapel to chapel it's going to be totally different so for example it and at at i can't even speak today putting um in our local cemeteries in their chapels they've got ones that are raised um that the coffin or casket will then stay on and then there's ones that um uh, that are a little bit lower and then the it's like it's on a, a revolving um modular part isn't it really like when you think of spring bale or places like that um it's quite a quite a um uh it's an in, it's an interesting thing or the other way of doing things is in another chapel uh it has a movable um, uh, cataflark that actually then, or catafelk, catafelk. Um, isn't that a deer, a felk? No. No, I've lost it. Don't worry about it. What? <laughs> I was never really, I don't know. It's like cantaloupe and We've antelope. We've wildlife now. Yeah, yeah. It's the new new podcast from Brember Family Funerals. Know your wild animals uh, brought to you. <laughs> yep. Um so the other ones are movable ones, ones that you can move from uh, pillar to post depending on what your situation is. Most of the time they stay in one location. They don't tend to move a lot. Um, 
But what happens there is the coffin is then placed, coffin or casket placed onto that, and then at the end when they do their final words or committal, that um, component inside that unit actually lowers and then there's like glass shields that come up, which is really, really nice. I, I quite – I like that um, probably more than some of the the old school ones that take about four hours to lower – and you've got to come up with all sorts of words. Um, do you have a preference? Is there ones that you like? I really like the ones where the glass come up. Yeah. I think it's a gentler approach. Yeah. 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 I I think I think definitely that yeah that's the way to go. Look, if you if you're not going to be physically taking your loved one out of the chapel to a hearse then doing it um, that way is quite gentler. Um, or the other way is you just leave your loved one in in place. But you've got to remember you're then physically having to walk out of that that chapel, leaving them alone. So entirely up to you which way you do that. What's what's another word? Ooh, oh, my favourite word. Tabernacle. Tab what, tabernacle. Um, tabernacle. Your Yes. Yep. Church is over. Um, tabernacle. Now, for those people that are Catholic or I'm just trying to think if... No, I don't think the other churches actually have tabernacle as the same use for them. Um, but I know for the Catholics, they have like a gold area, gold sort of container that holds uh, the Eucharist or the host. Um, we have other words for the host. Um, and it's not, I guess it just brings a little bit of a, a, um, a human thing, um, would be like, um, you know, rice crackers, wafers, um, biscuits and dip. Um, <laughs> we've got all sorts of names. So Tea and bickies. Tea and bickies, that's the other way. Um <laughs> So, yeah, look, some people might say, well, that's a bit disrespectful. It's not because it's just our, our little thing. We don't, we don't take the, the pee out of um, religions because it's very important that whatever our belief is and all that um, is, is not shown on the day. Um, so that tabernacle um, just reminds me of the shows where you – what do you call that? Is it a candy apple? Where you dip the apple into like syrup, and it becomes oh, you toffee oh, apple. Oh, toffee apple. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, tabernacle toffee apple. Same thing, really, isn't it? So, all right. Um, yeah. Well, thank you very much, Jess. Uh, I know uh, it's only been very short with you today, um, but thank you for coming and sharing with us. Thank you for having me. And, uh, yes, I will continue the podcast from here. So the tabernacle, as we were saying, um, is the location where people keep, uh, where religion, um, say, for example, on the Catholic side uh, or the priests and nuns, they keep uh, a small amount of their Eucharist or host in that uh, container. And that's normally behind their serving altar um, or to the side of the church. It really does depend on the age of the church. Um, I find um, 
you know, through through the years, they've either got smaller rather than larger. I just think it comes down to their rituals. Um, other churches tend to bring the host or Eucharist in um, from another area. It could be in the in the area that the uh, priest or minister or pastor tends to be, um, and that could be mainly due to security. Um, I'm sure that there's been people that have broken into churches or that have gone up and opened up that tabernacle or areas and stolen things from there or even the even the uh, church wine. Because um, in the day it used to be like real wine. Now it tends to be, I think it's like a grape juice or something else like that now that they utilise a lot of the time. Um, I'm not saying that some churches don't have uh, real sort of uh, religious wine that they use, um, but just over the ones that I've seen have uh, kept it to grape juice just for that reason, basically. And I think it's just the symbolisation of bread and wine or body um, and blood. Um, Yeah, so... The other one uh, that we tend to um, get a lot of, all right, another uh, funeral term would be interment. Not interment, but interment. Now, what that means is burial, placing coffin or casket into an area where they will be for their forever stay. Wow. Um, yes. Now, with with that, um, normally we use interment if uh, I know I do. I use interment when a person is being placed into a above ground mausoleum, um, and that's another word that uh, for those people that are not sure what mausoleum is. Mausoleum is an above ground burial site that has what they call uh, or, or slots or crypts. Um, basically what it is is concrete-lined uh, facility and then the coffin or casket then gets placed into that. So I call that – well, that's entombing as well. So you're entombing that person in there. Uh, like the old days of uh, the Egyptians and the pyramids um, when that was – that's what they did. They entombed enemy then they closed everything off. Um so interment uh, can be used for all burials, like we said. It can be used for uh, earth graves. It can be sea burials. It can be um, placing them into mausoleums. It can be related to any any uh, lowering um, into a grave or placing into a grave. The other um, word that I have is niche. What is a niche? You'll hear niche uh, in a lot of uh, organisations or industries for it's the niche market. It's that uh, that space where, or for example in ours, it's that space um, that's in a wall or uh, where you can place the ashes into. Um, so most local cemeteries have this location. It can be... Um, uh, a rose tree, it can be a normal tree, it can be uh, in, a, in a wall, it can be um, in, in another area which they call a columbarium. 
Uh, the word of the week is columbarium. Um, so all of these words really come back in the early days. Like you don't often hear columbarium in Australia. We do have at our cemeteries uh, areas that are pretty much full of ashes. So what it is, it's a, a columbarium uh, is, I guess, a niche area where families can place their beautiful urns with their loved ones uh, onto a shelf um, in that niche uh, that they call, and then families or other people can then physically come and they, they'll get to see that, that urn. So it's a memorial area that people can use. You would have heard of the term, you lost the plot. And um, I know uh, there's been a lot of us that have have uh, lost the um, <laughs> have lost the plot. Um, and what that goes back to um, is back in the day when funeral directors used to actually walk in front, uh, normally with the minister, uh, in front of the wagon or the hearse, depending on what era you were in. Uh, looking for the plot. Now, the plot is the grave location, the actual uh, hole. Now, uh, I, I know it sounds... So that's, I guess, where that the word lo lost the plot. When it comes to our industry, that's what we class it as. So the plot is a measured piece of land in a cemetery for which a family or individual pur purchases um, then enables interments or the burial to take place. And it de depends from cemetery to cemetery what interment options you have. And that's something that uh, we as funeral directors can at least give you some guidance um, or can then pass you on to the cemeteries. We used to be able to do a lot of the cemetery stuff ourselves. We could even do, you know, headstones or, or at least recommend uh, stonemasons. Now, stonemasons are people that make the monumental um, granite or marble or headstones um, that then get placed onto that loved one's grave or location. Um, but that that all went back to, and I know in Victoria, in Australia, that it's all gone back to the cemeteries to deal with that. Um, I'm not sure if that was a monetary thing um, or control of who enters or exits the cemetery, making sure that everyone is doing the right thing. And I, and I guess with OH&S, that's very, very important for that to happen. Let's see if we can find another word. How about uh, what is the difference between a coffin and casket? Um, in a lot of countries, they feel as though that they're the same. But they're not. Uh, I know, say, for example, in the US, um, you don't really see coffins over there. You see mainly caskets. Now, the main difference is, let me put it this way, a coffin is more body-shaped, like the old school. You would have seen them uh, on TV or in movies where they're wider at the shoulders and then they come in and taper at the foot. Now, normally with a coffin, it has a removable lid, so it totally comes off. There is coffins now that do have hinge lids. Uh, you don't see that often, um, but 
they're around. Or there's custom-made coffins that can do uh, one, so normally the foot area would be solid um, and locked locked down. And then basically from torso up, can then that part of the lid can be removed. And then after, they can then place that lid back on and lock it into place. With a casket, a casket is a receptacle that basically is rectangular in shape. It normally has a hinge lid. It normally um, is a little bit more elaborate, a little bit more um, padded. Um, now, when we say caskets, a lot of the European cultures use caskets quite a bit for several reasons. A, because it's the last thing that they can do for their loved one. That's what they like to, to use. The other thing is, too... Um, it might have been something that's been handed down, um, where families have always done caskets. They've always, they've never had a coffin, never done this. And a majority of time, they're burials. Anyone with a casket's burial. Now, saying that, we have uh, I, I call it more of an affordable uh, casket, which are still beautiful caskets. Like they're made made by a US company. Uh, in Australia, we've got some fantastic caskets as well. But the one I'm thinking of is quite similar to the US casket. It's actually made by um, Batesville Caskets. Um, and we use one that's called a Delray. Now, that is a crematable casket. Uh, and a majority of the caskets that we have in Australia can be used for both burial and uh, cremation unless they are a metal casket. Now, any metal items on a casket... And if there's a lot of them, they need to be removed prior to cremation, okay? Now, we have had a lot of people ask, does a um, body still remain in the coffin or casket? Yes, they do. We never remove them from that. Once they're placed in there and they're tucked in, that is exactly where they stay. I'm not sure what other funeral homes do. It'll be a bit of a... Um, disrespect thing if people are taking bodies out and putting them into other but who am I to judge what other people do I'm only going by my experience so I hope that's answered in regards to the difference between a coffin and casket price difference there is some caskets out there that are actually a little bit more affordable than than the solid timber coffins there's coffins out there that are either solid timber or MDF board chipboard, cardboard, um, cardboard, uh, I don't tend to use. Families can if they wish, but several things with cardboard that I have found is they don't last long. They don't last in a cooler environment, so a cool room environment that we place our loved ones into, um, and they're not sturdy. Now, if you had someone that was 100 kilos and you placed them into a cardboard, um, and I've and I've seen it. Um, the the bottom falls out, um, or things like that. So, but but I'm talking back in the early days. It, it may be totally different now, but I don't tend to recommend them. And the reason for that too is that. But also, uh, the price. People say, oh, you know the the classic words of, um, oh, just put me in a pine box, just put me in a cardboard box, and send me out. And it's like, well. We can, but you're paying more for that. It used to be the, the economical ways were the, the best priced option. They're not now. They're not now. 
So, but once again, your choice, whatever you wish to place your loved one into is entirely up to you. We're not going to be pushing you to go any way that you don't want to. But like I said, that that is us. Another word that um, gets used quite a bit around the world is shroud. Now, our shrouds that we use are basically a covering. Now, the covering that I'm talking about is usually cotton or satin that once the person is prepared, washed, they're then placed into their coffin or casket and then we put this covering or shroud over the top of them and we tuck it in. Now, in some cultures or around the world, they use a shroud to totally cover their loved one. Um, and that's more of, of a religious connection. Um, and then what happens with a lot of uh, other cultures is they can actually bury their loved ones just in that shroud. They don't need to have a coffin for the burial. Now, normally that would be the Muslim faith. Um, for Australians, um, we or other um, countries and things like that or other type of religions, um, our go is normally we have to be in a coffin, all right? So coffin or casket, which is fine, which is fine too. Um, so the shroud is either full covering, so depending on where you're connected, and uh, but for us it's more of yeah more of that covering satin or cotton that then is draped over the top of the deceased and it still looks really nice it actually fits in it's the same material as what the trimming on the sides of the coffin are um, so what we call the side um, side skirts and things like that that enable or cover cover that person the other one that we tend to use also is a morning coach. Now, what does that mean? Now, we're probably using old school words too because a coach, if you think back in the in the Western times and things like that, it was the horse and cart or horse and coach. that they. So a morning coach would be where the family, usually the wife or, or the husband, would then ride in a horse-drawn coach um, that was um, because they were in mourning, they were in grief. That's what they use. So we still use that um, as a term. So if we have a car or a limo or anything else like that that we use, um, we'll normally say a mourning limo or a, or a mourning coach. I still like the word coach. Um, I, I'm a very, if I use the word, I was trained by um, old school funeral directors. So... I'm very passionate about keeping keeping the old school alive, but also being up with the modern terms too, uh, and the modern ways. Because if we get dragged down and and we don't go forward, then things start to uh, things start to play up a little bit. So that is what if you ever hear that oh you know I went in a morning coach or you're at a funeral arrangement and then that happens, you understand what that means. So. Someone going through grief or family are then riding in a vehicle. Um, but then there's also people that still want to go in in a, in a carriage. So with um, some beautiful horses and normally Clydesdale horses, they're absolutely stunning. But you're having to pay um, fairly high prices in areas that don't ride horses normally, if that makes sense. 
Let's have another look at another word. The other one which um, we obviously use on a day-to-day basis is the word chapel. Now, most people believe that the word chapel means religion. Now, if we utilise religion as a, as a connection, we would call that church. Um, but then some have the word chapel. So chapel to us, I class, as a non-denominational uh, gathering space where people can gather to celebrate their loved one. Now, if they wish to have a religious minister in that space, that's fine too. There's nothing stopping you from doing that. The only thing is that it doesn't have religious symbols around. You can, uh, some cemeteries still do have the space for a cross to go up on the wall. It's a big metal cross um, or a crucifix. And actually, that's another one that we'll talk about in a moment. But uh, it, yeah, it's a space that your loved one can be there or the deceased can be there. You all gather around and you celebrate that person's life. So if you ever hear that word chapel, I think you automatically go to like the white chapel, the white, you know, old school chapel. Um, But there is some really beautiful modern spaces out there as well. Um, The other word that they use is reflection spaces. So I think that might be the word that will probably take over chapel. Um, because a lot of the generations now, especially the younger ones, don't really know a lot about the early, you know, um, you know what chapel is or that's church. Oh, I don't go to church or I don't do this, which is fine. Totally up to you. Um, but uh, there you go. So we were just saying before about uh, what a cross and crucifix is. Now, cross is a plain plastic or metal cross. Um, a T cross, if that makes sense. Now, a crucifix is one that is a T cross with Jesus, uh, like when he was uh, crucified. Um, so a lot of, or I say the Catholics, um, would utilize a crucifix. Um, the Greeks, they've got uh, a totally different thing. Um, oh, well, they, they still use, um, the Jesus or the crucifix from there. Um, and then you've got the, I mean, even when the Italians, most of them, look, it all comes down to what your religion is. If you don't have a religion, then you don't tend to have any of these items because it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant to you. So plain cross is plain cross, no Jesus on it. Crucifix is one that can usually be mounted on some timber Um that then can be either left on the coffin or casket or taken home. A cross can have the same, but it tends to be, um, and, I, and if I've used the, the Italian Catholics, tend to take that item home because that's been blessed by the priest. Uh, it's been part of that journey. So that's a keepsake that that family gets to, uh, gets to keep. So that is the difference between a cof- uh, a cross and a uh, crucifix. Let's see what other words we have.
The other word that I have here is crematorium. What does that mean? So we go to a cemetery that can have a crematorium attached to it. A cemetery is a city of the dead. We had a cemetery, well, we, it still is quite known to a lot of the oldies, is the necropolis. Now, the necropolis is basically, in layman's terms, the city of the dead. So we had a cemetery called that. But now, because it's got botanic gardens, um, they call it, um, so the suburb that it's in, and then botanical cemetery, which is obviously a, a, a more more uh, realistic... Um, well, actually, no. When you think about realistic, it is a place where deceased are laid to rest. Um but I think it's probably a little bit more in your face uh, than Acropolis um, compared to these beautiful tranquil gardens where, you know, there's walking groups and all sorts of things there. So crematorium is a place where deceased get cremated um, and it's normally a, a separate entity inside that cemetery, so a separate area um, that is normally out of sight of public um, but saying that, there has been cemeteries or even privately owned. Um, in, in Victoria, in, in Australia, we can't own our own crematory. Um, as part of our premises, we have to utilise the, the ones that are, are through a trust. But in other states, you can, you can have a, a crematory attached to your uh, premises. The... In some of the chapels that we have here, or the cemeteries here, um, the crematorium division used to be in between the chapels, um, but that doesn't that doesn't happen um, here anymore. They're all they're all separate separate units. So that is the word crematorium. The other thing I'm thinking of too is flowers. Now. When it comes to a lot of funeral flowers, there's several things that you can have. Um, well, actually, there's probably more than several. But one of the words is wreath. Now, what that is, is normally a circular uh, ring. So like a donut, if you picture a donut, um, but don't attempt, don't, uh, uh, don't, don't attempt to um, eat it. Wow. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, and not saying that, not that I have ever tried to eat it. Um, the, yeah, so circular, like a donut, and then you've got some beautiful flowers that go into a, they call it oasis, um, not the band, but a, like a, well, in Australia, green oasis that is then filled with water to obviously keep the, the hydration up to the flowers. And a lot of families or people that are coming to funerals will bring a wreath uh, rather than a cup bunch. Now, that then normally remains with the deceased. Um, it Wreaths don't tend to go back to the family home, um, but wreaths are normally brought out for burials. Um, but saying that, you know, like 10 years ago, you'd probably see more now that it's more cremation People don't want flowers for a lot of reasons, eh? because they don't want to have this whole pile of flowers back home. They're beautiful. They're, they're stunning. They smell gorgeous. 
Um, but I think it just comes down to um, each individual family. So that is what a wreath is. Um, the other thing is what we call a casket sheath. Now, we place a casket sheath on a coffin, so it doesn't mean that they stay with a casket. Now, how I uh, describe coffin flowers or casket flowers is if you picture the coffin um, with a dome top, so it's higher at the top and then splays out, uh, and it normally goes probably three-quarters of the length of the coffin or casket. So we use the dimensions of, say, a 1.2 metre or a 1.5 metre of whatever flowers that that family wants. Now, you can do the, the really big dome top and, and bring the sides and the ends in. So it just looks like this big sort of half circle, which is stunning too. But what we tend to do, A, to, to fit our vehicles, is keep them slightly flatter but more longer. The, the reason why we don't go, say, the full length of the coffin or casket, which we can, is for families then to place personal items on or even a photo frame. We want to be able to display as many personalizations of that person that we can. There's several reasons for that. When you go to a funeral, and for those that haven't, you know, the experience is unique. Um, but for those that have been to a funeral, there's several things that uh, will go through people's uh, heads. One will be, oh, my God, there's a coffin. Uh, uh, I'm here. I want to celebrate. Oh, is there something else I can look at? And that might be the flowers. That might be the photo screens. It might be uh, the fishing rod. It might be the guitar. It might be something else that is unique to that person. So to have these beautiful flowers a beautiful coffin or casket, personal items. What more can you ask for at that at that time? Um, uh, uh, an area or, or an item that you can then focus on um, that is personal to you for your very own memory. So a casket sheath is really just a longer version um, of a wreath. Um, they're still placed in o Oasis. Uh, and a lot of time families will then, we try to suggest that families take those flowers home or in memory we can then pluck out little posies and then hand them to individual people. That is a beautiful way to keep that person's memory going and the family sharing that. Uh, those flowers were there. They were a part of that service. It's a beautiful way to do it. And if you've got roses, um Probably the roses nowadays are done more in hothouses, so the genetics and things of that of the roses might be slightly different, is if you had, say, half a dozen stems of roses um, and you're very good at uh, gardening, you might then uh, trim a little bit of the end off, stick them into, I think I call it Rutex. I'm not sure if that's across the board, across the world, but uh, it's like a, a hormone that then enables the growth of that rose. Now, you trim it right back, you stick it in, you look after it, and hopefully uh, it'll start to root itself and you will then have this beautiful rose. It might be a little bit different, but you'll have this beautiful rose that is in in memory of that person. How beautiful is that? I, I think that's fantastic. And I've done it. I've tried it. Um, 
and it's uh, it's fantastic. And I think I even might have even been in one of our other houses, but I actually put it into the ground once it grew, and it got to a stage where I thought, you know, I I I can't take it out. It it was it was established. So that other family or whatever that moved into that home is now, you know, they've got this beautiful rose tree. They've got no connection with it, but it's a beautiful thing. And to me, just it's refreshing to know that that, that memory is still floating around. I, I can picture it in my, in my head anyway. The other thing we get asked quite a bit um, is what is funeral insurance or death insurance against a prepaid funeral? Now, insurance um, is if you were to get injured or pass away, then that is a sum of money that then goes back to your beneficiaries. Now, a lot of superannuation funds have an extra component for uh, impairment um, as well as death. I'm not sure in like now if you were to sign up for superannuation, if that option is there now, I know with my superannuation fund, um, there was options back in the day. You could, you could, you know, I think they called it in units. You know, you could have 10 units, that equals this amount of dollars if something happened. So funeral insurance is what you pay, like every, like house insurance, car insurance, registration, all of those type of things. You just keep paying a certain amount per month. When you get to a certain age, that might differ. It might change. You might have to pay less. You might have to pay more. Or they just say, we're capping it at this amount of dollars if you pass away, which is which is fine too. Um, I know in Australia there's daytime TV that um, bring out all sorts of, which, you know, it's more, it's more the, the pensioners... Um, that are watching TV after they watch Days of Our Lives or, you know, the show that just keeps going and going. Um, but they'll have all these insurances. You know, buy now and you'll get a set of steak knives or you'll do this and that. Um, some of those companies are quite reputable. Some of them, you know, when something does happen, it's pretty hard. It's pretty hard for our families to deal with. Um, but normally if something happens and you can provide a proof of death, being a interim death certificate, or medical certificate, uh, then they will release the funds uh, to the beneficiary, normally within 24 to 48 hours. Now, with the prepaid funerals, um, the organisation that we use to invest the money is separate to us. So if we were to ever um, go bust or, you know, decide, hey, we're not doing funerals anymore and we pass it on, pass the banner on or whatever then we know that their money is capital guaranteed. So it's secure. If we go out and then it doesn't go to another funeral home, um, then or something happens to that or something happens to the fund, which has happened in the years um, with other organisations, then the government will then pitch in for that. All right? So your money is secure. I'm not sure about the other funeral companies who they use, but the company that we do certainly has that option. I don't want people's money to be safe. Um, but the difference is, is with insurance, you just keep paying. You could end up over your lifetime spending $100,000 in insurance money, but the money that you're going to get back from it might only be $10,000, right? And they don't tell you that. You just think, oh, yeah, I'll just pay that. I'll just be pay that or I'll direct debit that or whatever. 
you know, bank transfer, I'll just keep paying it. But they don't realise that you're actually paying more than what you're entitled to. Um, at least with a prepaid is we find out what your wishes are and then we lock that into a contract uh, and you don't pay any more. So if you paid, for example, 10000 today and you don't pass away for another 30 years, you know that the funeral that you want is going to be covered because obviously with, um, uh, what is it, CPI and uh, inflation, all of those things, prices will go up. So that funeral in 30 years' time could be worth thirty, forty thousand, 40000 because of the price. Now, the interest that is made on that fund or that investment then goes to us as the funeral home um, because obviously the what the value of the funeral is worth now compared to what it was then. So that's how that all plays. Um, but it's sort of like uh, you tell me what you want, we give you the costing uh, and there's no more no more to pay, you can drive away. And you know that your money is going to be safe and your wishes are down. Where's the insurance? You just pay, like we said, you just pay a certain amount per month or whatever way that you deal with that. Um, but you don't tend to write down what your wishes are. That might be something that you tend to keep at home. Um, we use a funeral bond um, and so we invest the money into there and then from there, uh, which is basically just an investment um, account, and then we have a contract separate uh, where we then find out what flowers, what coffin, cemetery or crematorium, uh, minister or celebrant, uh, they're the things that we all put together. It's not connected to the investment. All right. So I hope that's made sense with that. We just said there too about celebrant. Now that's another word. Um, or someone that officiates the funeral service. So we were talking also earlier about religion. Now normally... And there's different names for these for these uh, men and women. So they can be a priest, they can be a reverend, they can be a pastor. Um, you know, they might not have any official title, although or even a doctor, doctor reverend. Um, there's all sorts. Um, there's monks. There's heaps and heaps of different uh, names for religious ministers um, throughout the world. So they're basically an officiant or you can even call them a religious celebrant. They're the people that lead your funeral. Now, for example, I'm a celebrant. Now, the celebrant, well, the type of celebrant that I am is a non-denominational celebrant or a civil celebrant, someone that can officiate uh, all sorts of uh, rituals or funerals. Um, and if you want religion, we can bring that into that as well. I'm not you know, not against that in any way. Um, but the difference usually is that with ministers or priests, they tend to be more about the church. And that's fair enough because that's their connection. They've got their own religious death rituals that they do. Um, some churches will allow you to do some modern things like photo presentation using modern music, might be uh, football or soccer, um, theme songs, uh, normal, yeah, normal everyday music that you love. But then there is some churches that say, no, you can't. 
because the space that we that you're in is more for the funeral rituals, not for the celebrating of that person's life. It is entrusting your loved one into their care or into heaven, into God's care or whatever faith or whatever being that they're connected to. The celebrant can do the same thing, can still bring in the Lord's Prayer, 23rd Psalm. There might be another religious connection that you want. Um, once again, all comes down to culture, uh, country, um, you know, is it, is it more of a younger generation that's doing the arrangement or an older generation? So celebrant is really someone. Um, I mean, even if you had another event, for example, you know, you were having a conference, you know, normally they'll call master of ceremonies. So that is exactly the same, be it religious, non-religious, it's a celebrant. It's someone that, uh, and if you break it down, is celebrant is celebrating someone's life bringing in the personal items, the personal uh, details into that service. My belief is, why do you go to a funeral and not hear about that person that's passed away? You need to go to a funeral because you have your memory and you want to be able to celebrate that. And how fantastic is it? And this is where I, I get so much joy out of dealing with our families is... I get to learn something. I get to learn something about someone else's life. Um, and it's not for everyone. Everyone just, well, you know, whatever. I'm just here because I need to be here. Um, but it's really, it, 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 I don't know, it, it's it's very rewarding. I love it. I, I um, So there you go. That's, um, that's the celebrant. Um, yeah. So I think we're now um, coming to the... Oh, yep, that's the door. I think we're nearly at the time where we need to say our farewells now. I'd like to say thank you so much to Jess. Um, even though we got uh, got cut short, she was still able to um, be able to put her two cents in. Um, but also to all of you that have just invested this time in listening to my voice um, and wanting to know more about what we do. And you know why? Because you're interested in death. That's why we do what we do. Let's chat about death. Thank you once again um, in whatever you're doing today or tonight or tomorrow. Keep safe. Um, and we look forward to you joining with us next time. And until then, enjoy. Bye-bye now. Yeah, 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 yeah.